School is officially out, at least for the Americans. So summer vacation is now in full order. There's no more setting my alarm. There's no more checking email all hours of the day. And no more meetings. The, that's me. The kids get to... The kids in my house get to stay up a little bit longer. They're going to get, of course, a little bit more screen time, and they're going to continue to fight all day long. Sounds great for some, not so great for others. You're probably thinking, yeah, that sounds great for educators and teachers, but I still have to work all summer. Some of you guys might be slightly jealous that we get this much time off of work. However, if you know me, you know that I do not do well with time off and idleness. I like to work. I don't do well when I'm not working. This summer is gonna be a little bit different for our family for a variety of reasons. It's our first summer in Belgium. However, we're going back to the States next week, actually this week, and I am not looking forward to it at all. Our kids, on the other hand, all six of them, they cannot wait. They're already thinking about all the shows they're gonna watch on the 11 hour plane ride. They're already thinking about what restaurant they're going to be eating at when they first land in America. I don't want to go. I like having a schedule. I would much rather set an alarm. I would much rather sit in a meeting all hours of the day than go back to America. My wife, Amber, is much different. She likes not having a schedule. She's much more free-spirited than I. Having the next month off of work scares me just a little bit. But like I said, there's other reasons why I'm not looking forward to summer vacation. There's a picture that I've asked them to put up on the screen. We're going to be staying with Amber's mom, and Amber's mom thought it'd be a good idea to go ahead and breed a Labradoodle and have 12 puppies just last week. So we're gonna have six kids and 12 puppies. Dean has already named two of them, Roxy and Charlie. I think it's also the mom and the dad of the pups. But nonetheless, he's starting to name them. They're already thinking, this is going to be my puppy. We're not bringing any puppies home. After visiting with Amber's mom, we're going to be going to my parents' house. And my mom thought it would be great. We probably need a little bit of a vacation. And so she's taken us on a little trip. But she thought it was not going to be a good idea just to bring us. So she invited all of my brothers, all of their spouses, and their kids also on this vacation. So I am not looking forward to going back to America. And I say all this to say today's sermon is more for me than it is for you. It's a reminder to stick close to Jesus and trust him each and every day, particularly over summer vacation. And today we're gonna to see that Jesus' disciples, their schedule, their plans were sidetracked. And when their plans were sidetracked, they trusted Jesus to meet all of their needs. They trusted Jesus because they knew Jesus and Jesus knew them. So the big idea of today's sermon is this. If our mission in life is to have kingdom impact, we must be in a relationship with the king and trust him daily. I'll read it one more time. If our mission in life is to have kingdom impact, we must be in relationship with the king and trust him daily. There's going to be three truths from this passage that I think we can glean from, not just this week, but all summer long as all of us are entering into the season of summer. And the first is this, reflect on God's goodness. 
reflect on God's goodness. Look with me in Mark chapter 6, verse 30. It says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that they had done and taught. So who are these apostles? Who are these disciples? These are the 12 men that Jesus sent out in verses 6 to 13 in the same chapter. He sent them out two by two. Go and proclaim the good news of the gospel. They would preach the gospel to anyone who would listen to them. And the fact that we're still talking about these 12 men shows the power and the authority that the Lord gave on them. The fact that this very passage is in the word of God. We know that there was healing of sick. We know that churches flourished and were planted. We knew that they cast out demons. These men had a huge impact. And so what they're doing is they're sharing all the impact, all the things that they saw with Jesus. No doubt did they see good, but they also probably experienced wickedness. They probably experienced depravity, casting out of demons. And so they're excited to share what they saw and heard after being told to go out two by two. They reflect on his goodness over their lives and ministry. Look at verse 31. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. So after sharing with Jesus all the things that they had experienced and preaching the gospel, Jesus tells them, go to a desolate place, go be alone, and rest a while. They were probably on cloud nine, super excited about everything they had saw and witnessed, pumped that they got to be part of God's mission, and God tells them, hey, why don't you guys go rest a little while? Jesus was not the only one who was paying attention to these 12 men. As you guys know, throughout the, the gospel of Mark, we see that these people are attracting crowds. Jesus is attracting crowds of people from all these villages, all these communities, going and hearing about the work of Jesus. So the crowd of people have been following them for so long that they didn't even have time to eat. So what do the disciples do? They follow Jesus. They say, go on a boat. He, they go on a boat. However, there's people that are following them, crowds and all this excitement. And so this excitement is not unique to the church. We too get to experience sometimes exciting times. Whether it's a mission trip, maybe a men's retreat, a discipleship weekend, a week at Camp of the Woods. If you don't know what Camp of the Woods is, ask Pastor Ryan. People come back from these events with a whole new perspective on life. I'm going to have the best prayer life now. I'm really going to be worshiping the Lord more now. They come with a new perspective on evangelism, new strategies on how they're going to win more people to Christ. They have a level of joy and excitement that is a little bit scary and sometimes annoying. How many of you guys have been at church after a youth trip or a youth event or VBS, a week-long Christian retreat? They have so many stories, so many inside jokes, so many experiences they got to experience, and what do they do? They want to share it and tell it, and they want to relive it all over again with you. However, if you weren't there, you didn't really get to participate in it. In January, some of us men went on a men's retreat. Some of us went skiing. I'm sure when we came back, we were a little bit annoying to the other guys who didn't get to go. 
because the other guys in the church didn't get to experience the ridiculously long pit stops. <laughs> just so you guys know, if you ever go on a trip with Jan and he wants to just stop for a little bit of coffee, it's going to be an over an hour long pit stop. <laughs> the excitement that takes place on these trips are tied to our experiences with one another. And so this excitement that these 12 disciples had was a joyful one. They were excited. We don't have to cross the world. We don't have to go to these retreats to reflect on God's goodness on our life. We should reflect on God's goodness each day. As a church, the Lord's been faithful to us. We've seen his goodness as a church. Over the last year, we've had many new families join our fellowship. We have a pastor Many of us broke bread with one another in our homes. We opened up our, our homes to complete strangers. We're having more community with one another outside of the four walls of this building. The Lord has been faithful. He has been good. Reflect on God's goodness on your life this summer. Like I said, this sermon is more for me than it is for you. Reflect on God's goodness. When things get hard, and it's going to get hard, don't believe the lies of Satan. Remember all the times the Lord has been faithful. Remember all the times that your prayers were answered. Remember how your life has been transformed and changed. So first we see reflect on God's goodness. The second truth we see is seek ways to serve others. Seek ways to serve others. Look at verse 33. It says, now many saw them going. And recognized them. And they ran there on foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. So, as we previously mentioned, these crowds are coming to witness Jesus and witness these 12 disciples. And so, most likely, the stories that they experience is starting to go out to the other villages. And they want to hear and see it for themselves. And these crowds see the disciples, they see Jesus on the boat, and they run out ahead of them, knowing where they're going to be going. And they wait. And after they get to the shore, Jesus recognizes the big crowd. He's used to it. And what does he do? He doesn't push them off and say, hey, we're coming to this quiet place to be alone. We're coming to this quiet place to rest. No, he takes time and teaches them. He showed them compassion. He knew this crowd needed a shepherd. He alters his plan. He alters the plan and the schedule of these 12 disciples. Jesus is no doubt testing these men. Look at verse 35. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is now late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So it's now late. Their excitement and joy about their ministry is starting to not diminish, but they're tired. They're humans. They're getting tired. They want to rest. And they're telling Jesus, get rid of this crowd. Go tell them to go back home and get something to eat. And they're trying to remind Jesus, hey, Jesus, you told us to come here to a desolate place. We are now there. We want to rest. 
The disciples tried to convince Jesus to send them away to go eat. Look at verse 36. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. Now, if we go back to verse 6 at the beginning of chapter 6, we see that these disciples were sent out two by two, and they were also told, don't bring anything with you, which means they were living off of people's hospitality and generosity. And now these same men are saying, go make them go buy their own food. And so Jesus is reminding them. Look at verse, in verse 6, 8, it says, he charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money, and their belts. And now these same men obviously forgot about the generosity of other people, and they're wanting these people to pay for their own food. Verse 37, but he answered them, you give them something to eat. And they said to him, shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? So there's a little bit of smart aleck comments here going back and forth between Jesus and these 12 disciples. Jesus tells the disciples that they should give the crowd something to eat. And this would have been about a half years of wages. And so the crowd is huge. Obviously, you can't feed a crowd. It's not cheap to feed a crowd of 5,000 people. And so they try to remind Jesus, hey, 200 days wages, how are we going to afford all this? And ultimately, remember, they just want to go to sleep. These disciples had a clear plan. Jesus is the one who set their plan. He set his authority on them and said, go to a desolate place. And now their plans, their schedules has been what? Altered, changed, sidetracked. Their plans have been shifted by Jesus. They thought their day was going to go one way, but the Lord has altered their plan. This summer, our plans may get altered. Our plans and schedules may get changed. How do you view those changes in your schedule? How are you going to respond when your plans don't go as planned? Sometimes God puts those changes in our plans for his purposes, for his mission. We get upset and we point the finger at somebody else. Well, this wouldn't have happened if you didn't do this. If you were driving, we wouldn't have gotten that flat tire. If he didn't eat that piece of candy, we wouldn't have to go to the dentist for his chipped tooth. As God, ask God to give you opportunities to serve others. When our days have unwanted disturbances or change directions, we should seek ways to serve others. Why did God put us in this place? Why did God change our plans? You never know why the Lord causes different things to happen, but when he puts you in places that you did not have planned, seek ways to serve other people. Maybe that flat tire, you needed to share the gospel with the tow truck driver or with the police officer who helps you on the side of the road. Maybe that toothache Going to the dentist, you just needed to show a little bit of grace to somebody in the waiting room. Maybe that long hour on the phone trying to get something resolved, God chose that to happen because you needed to give them a little bit of mercy. When our plans are altered or get messed up, look for ways to serve others. So we see that we need to reflect on God's goodness, seek ways to serve others, and finally find satisfaction in Jesus. Find satisfaction in Jesus. Look at verse 38. And he said to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, five and two fish. After the disciples respond to Jesus about going and buying bread worth 200 wages, Jesus tells them, go find out how much food you actually have. 
What do the disciples do? They do exactly what Jesus asked. They go and find out. Hey, we have five loaves of bread and we only have two fish. The disciples trust Jesus. They do what they are asked to do. And clearly five loaves of bread, even kids can understand this concept, five loaves of bread and two fish are not going to feed 5,000 people. I don't know if you guys have seen our potlucks, but sometimes we have more food than that at our potlucks. More than five loaves and two fish. That was a joke, by the way. You guys are supposed to laugh at that. Thank you. We don't know how big the loaves were. Our minds, we try to rationalize that the loaves must be huge or the fish must have been a whale. That's not the case, or else it wouldn't have been in the Bible. We don't know how big the loaves were, how big the two fish were, but it's clear that Jesus is doing something miraculous. He's performing a miracle. Look at verse 39. Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. I do want to briefly pause real quick and have you guys look at Psalm 23. It's one of the most famous Psalms, oftentimes read at funerals or other things. Even unbelievers know Psalm 23. And there's some parallels or correlation between Psalm 23 and what we see Jesus do here. We saw in verse 34, when he went to shore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. What does Psalm 23 say about Jesus? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Jesus is shepherding his people. If we look at verse 39, it says, Then he commanded them all to sit down in groups on the green grass. If we look at verse 2 of Psalm 23, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Jesus commands his people, and his people listen and do what they're asked. Look at verse 41, Mark 6, verse 41. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. So Jesus looks up to heaven. He looks up to heaven and he basically puts a blessing on this food. And ultimately, a lot of times when people look at this passage, they focus on the eating of the 5,000 people. And they start to question, how did God do this? That's the wrong focus. We ought to be focusing on who is performing the miracle in this passage. It's Jesus is performing this miracle. Jesus is a prophet, but he's not just a prophet. Jesus is a king, but he's not just a king. Jesus is a priest, but he's not just a priest. Jesus is fully God. And so that's who we ought to be focusing on. That's how these people were satisfied was because Jesus was performing a miracle. Jesus fed them in verse 35 by teaching with his words, and now he is feeding them their physical needs as well as their spiritual. Look at verse 42. After giving this blessing, verse 42, it says, And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces and of the fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. Not only did all 5,000 men eat, they were all satisfied. And they even had food left over. Like I said before, our minds, we try to rationalize how Jesus did this. I'm not sure how Jesus did this. But it was a miracle and he did it. The crowd was hungry. The text says that they didn't eat for days, and now they are satisfied. The satisfaction spoken of here refers to a physical appetite. 
but we also have something more than just our physical needs that we need to address. We have our spiritual needs. If you look at the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus tells us that those who hunger and thirst for righteousness will be satisfied. All of us in this room seek satisfaction in things. We seek satisfaction in something and ultimately in the wrong things, in the wrong places. We want people to notice us. Maybe we think we'll be satisfied if we had a different job, a different house, a different car. Maybe we just need a little bit more money. Maybe just one more kid or one less kid. We seek satisfaction in things, and we should be seeking it in a person, and that person is Jesus. Only he is going to fulfill all of our desires. Find your satisfaction in Jesus. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity says this, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is I was made for another world. Our only satisfaction can be in Jesus, and we're truly going to be satisfied. Now, as we enter into this summer vacation, let's not get lazy. Let's not lose focus of our mission. The Lord has given us favor. He has given us much favor on us as a church, on us individually, and we ought to reflect on his goodness. When trials come, when things don't go as planned, seek ways to serve other people. Don't make it about yourself. And finally, be on mission wherever you go this summer and find satisfaction in Jesus and in him alone. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for speaking to us through your word. We ask that we would find our satisfaction and joy only in you. We turn away from our sin and we look to you, Lord. We just pray that you would allow us to not forget that this summer when things are going well or when things are not going well, that it's you who are allowing those good things to happen and it's you who, is, who are putting us through those trials for your purposes. Just pray that you would allow us to live out your mission. And we ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.